Excuse me. 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 Everybody and welcome to Morgan Dorks. This is a bi-weekly Daria podcast where we take an in-depth look at our favorite animated teenage misanthrope episode by episode. I'm Rob Press. And I'm Nissa Lee. And today we are looking at season four, episode 11, Groped by an Angel, in which mm. Quinn starts believing, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn starts believing in guardian angels and drags Helen along with her, kind of, leaving Daria the family skeptic. Also, Brittany's dad is throwing her a party for being a mediocre student. But we don't get any ceramic tigers this time around, so we might as well wrap the episode up here. <laughs> Except we're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the episode aired on July 19th, 2000 and was written by Jonathan Greenberg. This was the first of only two episodes of Daria he wrote, though he did write for a slew of other children's shows across, well, not other children's shows, a slew of children's shows <laughs> across the <laughs> 90s and 2000s, including Rugrats, Recess, Arthur, and Hey Arnold. Yeah, I loved Hey Arnold. I loved Arthur. <laughs> hmm. <Aww. laughs> Uh, all right. I think we should just go straight into our beat by beat. Sure. Okay. So we open as we frequently do at the Morgendorfer kitchen table, but this time Jake is standing on it and trying to install a new lighting fixture. He is, of course, having trouble. Uh, over in the living room, Quinn's watching what appears to be an unsolved mysteries type program and getting a bit choked up. Program's talking about guardian angels. Daria mocks the concept, which doesn't go over well with Quinn. The two throw a few jabs back and forth and then go about their day. Uh, off we go to Mr. O'Neill's class where they're learning about the play Julius Caesar. It is going exactly as poorly as you might think. The bell rings, but Mr. O'Neill notes that Brittany wanted to make an announcement. It's that her parents are throwing a party for her after the wild academic success of a C-minus average last semester, and everybody's invited, even the unpopular ones. Oddly enough, we cut to Jane and Dario when that part's announced. <laughs> a party for a C-minus average. In your high school, would that be a failing grade or a almost <laughs> failing grade? <laughs> a C-minus would have been, let's see, I believe a C-minus would have been like a 78 or a 79, somewhere around there. That makes no sense. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. The the It was like increments of eight, right? So like a, an A was a 92 to 100, uh, a B was an 84 to a 92, a C was like a 70, 76 to a, somewhere around there, 75, 76. Mm -hmm. uh, and then failing was anything under 70. I don't know. All right. It's weird. It's a weird place. <laughs> the, the place that educated me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it did an okay job. So hmm. <laughs> <laughs> after all, I've got a podcast. Yes. And a job, you know, don't knock it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this like weird little awkward moment with Daria saying that she was going to turn on the light switch while Jake is messing around with the wiring. 
and then having mm-hmm. to reassure Jake that she wasn't actually going to do it, that she was joking. Um, totally meaningless little like nothing joke at the very beginning, but it was so awkward. Like it just didn't land at all. <laughs> you think so? I, I Maybe I should have paid more attention to it, but I kind of – I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love the just because, like they did, like Jake, you know, misses everything. You know, <laughs> I guess, I guess, I, I don't know. For some reason, it was just like it was such an awkward beginning to the episode. For and I actually ended. I mean, well, you know, obviously, we'll we're still way at the beginning here, but I actually didn't hate this episode, and I don't know. It was it. Set off warning bells because you you get that when you get your you know this is somebody who hasn't written for the show before so how exactly are they going to handle it and mm-hmm. and I was like uh oh <laughs> yeah there there were definitely a few awkward moments in in here like a little clunky uh, yeah. but I I don't object to this particular moment yeah all right fine <laughs> fine whatever <laughs> um. Also, I mentioned Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, that was a favorite show around our household growing up. It ran for 15 oh, yeah. seasons. <laughs> um, most of those seasons were hosted by the late, great Robert Stack, who also served as narrator. Uh, it's this weird mix of like true crime, conspiracy, aliens, and paranormal activity, and it was the absolute best. Uh, and the segment that Quinn's watching would probably be right at home there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we watched a lot of Unsolved Mysteries as well. I do also remember Touched by an Angel being on in the house once in a while. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Touched by an Angel was a CBS drama that featured Roma Downey and Della Reese. They portrayed agents of God that would give advice and aid to people struggling or at a crossroads. It ran for nine seasons. Oh, my goodness. I did not know that. Yeah. Though it was like a lot of bright, soft, white light. <laughs> yes. in, in that show. <laughs> like when and, they're revealed that to be angels, you know, <laughs> towards the end of the episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another example of a guardian angel in popular media would be Clarence Oddbody from It's a Wonderful Life, which isn't really relevant, relevant to anything except for the fact that it's one of my favorite movies and I wanted to give it a shout out. I forgot that his last name was Oddbody. Actually, so did I. <laughs> I always just knew him as Clarence. Yeah. Uh, um, Clarence, Clarence. <laughs> we watched that movie every damn year. Every yeah. year. It's so good. If, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's super good. sappy, but it's good. Yeah. That's the thing is like if you read about the the popular reaction to that movie was not great. Like people thought it was way too sappy and um and and a little silly and everything. And then I guess NBC like picked it up for cheap and started showing it every year at Christmas and then all of a sudden it's a classic. Yeah, well, it's syndicated, so <laughs> yeah, hey, That's how yeah. you make the money. Um Anyway, as I I super don't. Oh, by the way, spoiler: we don't really have a cultural context this week because I super didn't have the mind space for putting one together. Uh, it's been a busy. We've week. got yeah, we've had other things to worry about, right? Yeah, yeah. Philadelphia <laughs> like saved the, the fate world. Of our nation. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. Gritty. By the way, says says the place that brought you gritty. <laughs> 
Um, I fucking love Gritty, man. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's, he really it's, is. I, he does encapsulate the the spirit of that yeah. area. <laughs> no, so it's it's so great. And I, I think I remember seeing a, a tweet to this. Philadelphia had – it was an amazing reaction to Gritty where Gritty was revealed and Philadelphia went, what the fuck is that? And then the rest of the country <laughs> – the rest of the country went, what the fuck is that? And then Philly turned around and went, you shut up. That's gritty. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's amazing. Anyway, um, I don't really have the mind space for putting together cultural context this week. Uh, Plus we also have some really neat fan mail that I want to get into. But uh, Mm -hmm. so I'll just note that uh, guardian angels are a type of tutelary as a spirit being or other entity that serves as a guardian or advisor for a specific person or people. Uh, They're found in one form or another throughout a slew of different cultures and religion, dating all the way back to the very beginning of human history. Yeah. Yeah, the ones we're kind of talking about slash, I guess, maybe most familiar with in pop culture are are obviously, you know, the sort of the the Christian slash uh, rabbinic models. Um, Yes. But yeah, but it exists pretty much everywhere. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Of the Abrahamic influence. Uh, also, <laughs> I mentioned that the the initial joke of Daria turning on the um, Daria going to turn on the dining room light and Jake freaking out didn't land for me. So I was like, uh oh. Um, but <laughs> as they're talking about Julius Caesar and uh, Mister O'Neill talks about bewaring the Ides of March. <laughs> um, <laughs> He calls on Kevin to ask why Caesar might want to beware of the Ides of March. And Kevin was like, oh, no, you know, it's, you know, they probably had it out for him. And Mr. O'Neill says, Kevin, the Ides aren't people. They're a time of the month. And Kevin says, ew, gross. Well, there's your answer. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to a larger extent, these, something doesn't really sit right with me in these first two scenes. Like Quinn being spiritual out of nowhere isn't too bizarre, I guess, because we've all had things we suddenly got obsessed with after reading or watching something about it. Um, but between like that and Brittany just kind of getting up in front of Mr. O'Neill's class and introducing the plot device of the party, like it all just feels a little clunky. Like it's not bad, but I can see the gears moving and something about that irks me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I see what you mean. I mean, the, um, the Quinn plot line is is out of nowhere. Although, I yeah, I I kind of accept it in that like that shit usually just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's like, oh, so you believe in angels now? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> you're really into angels now? Okay, cool. Um, so so like. Okay, cool. Um, but uh, but I can see how the Britney thing feels clunky to you, particularly because it's the like party plot device, right? It's yeah. it's it's the plot device that we have criticized in the past. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, so here it is again, right? <laughs> it's I, back. I mean. But the thing is, is that the second, uh, you, you know, the B plot usually is introduced kind of, 
you know, out of nowhere. You know, it just happens <laughs> often. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it, it's, I don't hate it. Like I said, it, it's, it's fine. It's just, it's such a, there's no nuance to it whatsoever. <laughs> it's just very, you know, here, we're going to drop it in your lap. There's your B plot. Enjoy. Um, and it, like I said, it's Rob, fine. if you Whatever. want nuance, go watch some HBO, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> over at the Lane residence, we hear Limp gets sour in the background while Jane and Daria wander in. Mystic Spiral is going over their lyrics and getting into an actually pretty entertaining argument about whether it's possible for the temperature to be below sub-zero. <laughs> um turns out they're playing at Britney's party, which means our intrepid protagonists have now been roped into going. Uh, up in Jane's room, Jane wants to know when they'll leave for the party, but Daria believes that seems like a Tom sort of thing. Unfortunately, Tom's out of town, so Daria's going to have to do. She's still unwilling to go, though, right up until Jane points out that Daria's very presence would mortify her sister. Jane Lane knows the buttons to push. Daria's oh, yeah. going. <laughs> <laughs> I really so this this band member band member's name is uh, Max, although we really don't talk about him much. But I really enjoyed that little discussion <laughs> between Trent and Max. It just kept going though. Yeah, they were thinking very seriously about <laughs> how the audience would understand their music, <laughs> you know, their lyrics <laughs> when when it's an audience of a people celebrating a girl who just got a C minus average. Right. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> they're, they're just bless them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate Trent sticking up for the English language though. Uh, there's, yeah. there's something about that where he's, um, you know, he's making a very valid point. Something can't be below sub-zero. That's saying below, below zero. That doesn't work. Doesn't he also do like algebra or something in this <laughs> in this episode? <laughs> I believe he tried and it overwhelmed him, I think is yeah. the <laughs> Uh, also one last one last other thing for this little scene here. Not to look for drama where none exists. But it's kind of telling that Jane said she wanted to spend more time with Daria, and Daria's immediate reaction was to ask if Tom had gone away for the week. Yeah. Uh, I hate to admit it, but, you know, I was definitely Jane <laughs> at some points with my friends, and I totally regret it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes, but, though. That's yeah, I yeah. Mean, like everybody, everybody does that at some point. You know, it's not great, but it's it's also just kind of part of learning how to incorporate these things into your life. That's true. That's very kind of you, Rob. <laughs> oh well, thank you. I'm here to make you feel better. Aw, thank yeah, you. Uh, over at the Taylor house, we're hearing role model by Eminem as Britney's dad arrives with the present he plans on giving Britney at the party. A crystal bullhorn emblazoned with a C in honor of her grade. It looks suspiciously like a sickle. Oh, good. So I'm not the only one who thought that. <laughs> no, it totally. I was like, is that a Soviet bullhorn? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I thought I was, I thought I might have needed glasses. 
No, no, it's it straight up looks like a sickle. I'm not sure what <laughs> I'm not sure what they were doing. Um, so we get to see Brittany's little brother again. We haven't actually checked in on him since the lab rat, and it turns out he still sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, back at Daria's, it's dinner time. Uh, Jake has installed the lighting fixture. Daria's sitting down to eat, and Quinn wanders in with a book she's reading about guardian angels. Daria rolls her eyes pretty hard, but Helen's pleased Quinn is looking to get in touch with her spiritual side. Apparently, it reminds Helen of herself somehow. Anyway, uh, Quinn decides she wants to eat dinner up in her room. She gets up to leave, and the new lighting fixture comes crashing down hard right into her newly vacant seat. Quinn's fine, but she sees this as dramatic proof that she does, in fact, have a guardian angel. Daria's not quite buying it, and that's the end of Act 1. We go to commercial once again to Eminem's role model. I love how Jake um, fixing the light at the beginning of the episode finally comes into play here. It like actually is <laughs> a plot point, right? Yeah. <laughs> Chekhov's lighted Jake fixture did. paid off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a, and a very heavy lighting fixture too, apparently, because the crash that thing made when it hit the chair was enormous. Mm-hmm. And why just the chair and not like the center of the table? That's a good question. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> to tell you. It's a good question. I have to leave it at that. So we're very clearly setting up a conflict here of spiritual versus non-spiritual with Helen and Quinn on one side, more Quinn than Helen, uh, with Helen and Quinn on one side and Daria on the other. Uh, and I noted earlier that I like I guess I'm okay with Quinn being into it for an episode, but Helen being shoehorned in just kind of feels a little bonkers to me. Like Daria immediately pointed out the hypocrisy because Helen is a lawyer who helps corporations cheat on taxes and exploit workers and all that. But Helen just kind of like brushes it off and we don't hear anything else. Uh, you know, the thing is is that Correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm misremembering, but Helen doesn't actually participate in the, you know, spiritual practice or whatever, you know, is going on with Quinn, but she is encouraging Quinn to explore different ideas, right? Um, or new ideas, I guess. And and so she sees it as you you know the a possible opportunity for Quinn Quinn for Quinn to <laughs> to like gain some depth I guess um, <laughs> I don't know I I mean I agree with you that and obviously Daria is right that there is some hypocrisy happening here um, but Helen is doing what a parent should do i guess is just like okay well you're into this thing now go ahead <laughs> yeah i don't <laughs> you know? i don't have a problem with that whatsoever like that's that's fine you know it, it's okay for her to to be supportive um i think that there's a difference between being supportive and then being like oh yes that reminds me of myself <laughs> my my spiritual true. self well she was a hippie at one point right <laughs> that's true that's a pretty good point that's a, yeah that's a that's a very good point um and it, like it's 
it's another thing where I don't hate it. <laughs> I get why it's happening. Uh, it just feels a little clunky is all. It feels because, just like, a step to the left yeah, and a yeah. jump to the right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got a time warp vibe to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. And the thing is like the show, like Daria immediately undermines the premise, right? Like Helen says, oh yeah, you remind me because you know you remind me how I'm how I'm spiritual, and Daria just immediately points out why that's wrong, and the show just the show's willing to acknowledge that it's wrong. It's not willing to go any further with that. It's like just all right. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that it sets up the the problem with Quinn's own spirituality. Right, her own concept of of the guardian angel and how it serves her life. Right, <laughs> so so the fact that Helen is claiming to have a spiritual side, and you know, uh, and and it's obviously not true, sets up the fact that that Quinn is a little um self-absorbed surprise surprise in her <laughs> in her ideas of of you know what a spirit what a spirit uh, or what a guardian angel should do for her <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, you know i no i i didn't i didn't see that parallel i think that's a pretty good point i do think it's it's interesting and you mentioned Wow, I'm just I'm starting a whole bunch of sentences that I'm not finishing. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit earlier that that Helen doesn't really get dragged into it as far as Quinn does, and that's accurate. Like she she doesn't you know she doesn't start running around talking about how her guardian angel is protecting her and all that stuff. Um, I think the furthest it goes is you know toward the end of the episode we see her reading the book that Quinn was reading, uh, mm -hmm. and that's relatively harmless. You know there, there's nothing necessarily wrong there, and also. That could be Helen just wanting to understand more what her daughter is getting into, mm -hmm. um, and there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And so it's you know it's it's perhaps unfair to like uh, as we did at the very as I guess I did at the very beginning of this episode like lump Helen in with Quinn in this, um, but I mean we do have discussions later on in this episode where you know Daria is taking up a point against Quinn and by extension Helen. Um, and I don't know. I, just, I think it's, it's an interesting pairing. I don't know. So, um, I, I think that since we are not doing a cultural context, it is worth mentioning that the book, uh, the books that Quinn and, um, her mom are reading are, well, that's a reference to the chicken soup for the soul book series, which is, oh, yes. you know, a self-help uh, series, <laughs> you know, feel good store, inspirational stories about people's lives. Um, yeah, they're still around. I, I remember like, I remember, um, relatives giving me, um, one of those books when I was a kid and, uh, yeah, I still see them on the shelves. So apparently they're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, they're still around. They've been around forever um and they were definitely i remember them being pretty big <laughs> right around this time um founded in 1993 says wikipedia yep there you the, go uh, yeah <laughs> the the <laughs> series hmm yep and chicken were, soup for were, the teenage soul 
Oh, um, there were like a million different variations. Chicken soup for, yeah, so many. So many. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, that would have been that would have been our cultural context if if Rob was not exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you off the hook this time. Oh, I appreciate that. I hope Twitter will be the same. Um, so we start Act Two at Lawndale High, where Quinn is telling Stacy and Tiffany about her experience. They're on board with the Guardian Angel train. Sandy walks in wearing a sweatshirt Quinn almost bought but didn't because something told her not to. Yet another sign of her guardian angel. Sandy, much like Daria, is not buying it, but the rest of the fashion club sure as hell is. Daria and Jane are listening in on this conversation, and Daria explains her skepticism. Quinn spends lunch telling everybody who will listen about their about her guardian angel, and soon the hallways are all a Twitter about it. It's only a little bit. It's only a little bit later that we realize the angel has struck again. This time, he told Quinn not to have the salad at lunch. Everybody else had the salad, and now they're running for the toilets. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, I just want to point out again, one of, one of several very good lines in this episode. Uh, Quinn says, I almost bought that exact same sweater, but something told me not to. And Sandy saying, would that, could that something have been a mirror? (laughs) Nice delivery there. Uh, Thank you. I've been working on my Sandy in my spare time. I don't even know where to go with this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it, it's it's the, like, you know, don't talk religion or politics at the bar kind of thing, you know? <laughs> it's like, Quinn, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting to – so, all right, here's the thing about this episode. It by itself is not a remarkable episode, but – it raises questions or at least broaches a discussion that no other episode of this show brings up. And Mm -hmm. that's interesting to me. Like that inherently is pretty neat because we get to see how Daria reacts to Quinn suddenly being very spiritual. And it's interesting that Daria isn't like drawing a hard line at there not being any mysterious forces out there so much as saying that if any mysterious forces do exist, they definitely don't care about the minutiae of, of our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. So she's basically, I mean, she's taking an um, agnostic stance. To some extent, yeah. It, it's, she's not saying, she, like, she's not drawing a hard line and saying, no, nothing like that exists. Don't be an idiot. She's saying, well, you know, maybe it exists, but if it does, it doesn't care about us. Mm. Uh, and and that's really that's interesting to me, um, because this is you know a character who's very firmly rooted in in reality, in logic, in what she can see, what she can prove, um, and also like, and we'll get into this later. But she also believes in an absolute moral right and an absolute moral wrong, and you know, guardian angels kind of futz with that a little bit, right? I think what's interesting uh, about what. Daria is saying, um, and maybe what you're picking up on is is that Daria's view is is not egocentric. It's not anthropocentric, right? <laughs> She's like, okay, if there is something out there, doesn't care about humans, <laughs> <laughs> you know, doesn't care about us, and and that is um, that is a difficult thing for a lot of 
uh, a lot of people to grasp because, you know, spirituality has so often been to explain humans' existence, you know, within this right. <laughs> within this world. So, yeah, it's 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 an interesting topic, and I'm glad that we spend some time figuring it out in this episode. Um, and yeah, we'll we will revisit it. Lastly, just going to say I'm trying to imagine the horrors that would occur in a normal, already too small high school bathroom that was suddenly besieged by scores of vomiting teenagers. Oh no, don't imagine that. No, it's not good. No. <laughs> it's, it's not good at all. It looks like something out of Silent Hill. I don't like it. Uh, at the Lawndale Mall, Brittany and her stepmother, who are probably all of like eight years apart, are shopping for party stuff. Uh, this brief scene isn't of any importance whatsoever, but you'll see why I wanted to mention it in a bit. Uh, over the Morgendorfer household, Daria arrives home to the tune of What You Like by DeBrat featuring Tyrese to find Helen reading Quinn's book about guardian angels. They get into a discussion about it. Helen believes it to be harmless and doesn't understand why it bothers Daria so much. They're interrupted by Quinn screaming, running out of the laundry room, holding some newly ruined jeans. Turns out Jake accidentally left some electrical tape in his pants pocket. Quinn laments that her guardian angel has abandoned her. After some brief back and forth, Jake ends up giving Quinn and Daria $50 each, which Quinn takes as a sign that her guardian angel was looking out for her after all. We move out of Act 2, again to the tune of What You Like by DeBrat and Tyrese. I think what is... I... I, I, I Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what this scene is getting across, is communicating, is... is you know, what bothers me about how people handle religion. Um, and, and, you know, the previous scene did this as well. Um, you know, as particularly people in power, as Daria pointed out, often use religion to explain why they're in power. Right. <laughs> right. And so, you know, Quinn gets $50 and she says, I knew there was a reason that this happened to me, right? I, I knew there's a reason. There's a reason for everything, right? Right. right. <laughs> it's like, no, no, Quinn. <laughs> oh, that's the uh, that's the it's the self fulfilling part of of it. Like you can you can explain anything away with faith, um, because that's it's you can't prove against it. So, so mm-hmm. um. So yeah, anything that happens, well, anything bad that happens, well, everything happens for a reason. Anything good that happens, well, it happens because there's a plan. Um, and and it's it's a very frustrating loop to see from the outside. Like you feel Daria's frustration in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, although she did get fifty bucks out of the deal too, so that's not too bad. Um, I thought her like Quinn whispering up to her guardian angel after she gets the fifty dollars, like I knew you were looking out for me or something like that. Um, followed by Daria whispering up to nothing in particular. This doesn't work on commission, right? <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. Um, yeah. There's of course, you know, if if you wanted to if you wanted to really try to go above and beyond drawing lines somewhere, you would say, oh well of course, you know, Quinn uh preaching the gospel everywhere all of a sudden is now raking in money for it, which is interesting. Hey, um, yeah. <laughs> funny how that works. Uh, I don't think the writers are trying to do that, but it's just neat when somebody starts talking about religion. That's our uh, that's our instinct is to give them money. 
Anyway, uh, so I mentioned at the very beginning that uh, Brittany and her stepmother are shopping for party stuff, and that I mentioned that scene for no uh, particular plot reason. But they talk about the origin of glitter, and I'm going to use that very tiny thing to go ahead and pedal maybe one of my favorite uh, news articles, or I guess features, one of my favorite news features uh, of the past like 10 years or so. Um, it's called What is Glitter? It is a fascinating and hilarious New York Times article by Katie Weaver, and it made the rounds in like late December of 2018. It goes very deep into the bizarrely secretive process and materials behind glitter. Uh, it's a great read. We'll link it in the show notes. It also includes a mystery that sent it set the internet on goddamn fire when the article was released. <laughs> um, so I'm going to read from the article here. Mr. Shetty said that trade secrets aside, confidentiality is a top-down requirement from clients. Companies do not want others in their industry to know what glitters are in their product to prevent competitors from making identical formulations. When I asked Ms. Dyer if she could tell me which industry served as GlitterX's biggest market, her answer was instant. No, I absolutely know that I can't. I was taken aback, but you know what it is. Oh God, yes, she said and laughed, and you would never guess it. Let's just leave it at that. I asked if she could tell me why she couldn't tell me. Because they don't want anyone to know that it's glitter. If I looked at it, would I know that it was glitter? No, not really. Would I be able to see the glitter? Oh, you'd be able to see something. But it's... Yeah, I can't. I asked if she would tell me off the record. She would not. I asked if she would tell me off the record after this piece was published. She would not. I told her I couldn't die without knowing. She guided me to the automotive-grade pigments. (laughs) The entire internet wanted to know what the hell <laughs> glitter was in that we didn't know about, uh, and so the the presumption, uh, the thing that people landed upon that they kind of largely agreed on, just to be able to say, just to be able to put the whole mystery behind us, was that it almost certainly has to be sex toys. <laughs> <laughs> but, hmm. but the, I mean, the argument against there is, but you can tell when there's glitter. <laughs> like there's a because certain usually look. that's a plus. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's usually a certain look about them, and you'd be like, yeah, it's got like glitter to it. There's so yeah, it it could be any number of things. I suggest people look this up. Definitely, just like Google glitter mystery, and I guarantee you'll be falling down the same rabbit hole that I fell down two years ago, and almost fell down again when looking this up. <laughs> awesome! Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also really briefly here, yet again, Daria's objection to guardian angels seems a little bit more rooted in her not believing the idea that not believing in the idea that angels, if they existed, would give a shit about what people do. You know, her exact quote is celestial middle managers changing the course of human events is ludicrous. Um, it's, it's not a hardline stance against something supernatural or otherworldly existing it's a hardline stance about it existing and giving a shit about people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just continues to be interesting, uh, especially with what the scene we're about to have with Jane. We open act three with Brittany's party in full swing. Uh, Mystic Spiral is warming up and discovering their sound equipment is capable of destroying the fine glassware around the house. Uh, Jane and Daria arrive, and Daria is complaining about the discussion she had with Helen. She points out that nobody can look at all the violence and bloodshed around the world and think that there's somebody out there looking or somebody looking out for us. 
Jane retorts by saying what's really bothering Daria is she doesn't want it to be true. That if the queens of the world are being bolstered by guardian angels, it means nothing Daria does matters because, quote, the end is fixed. We pause for some existential dread before heading into the party. Wow, Jane. Yeah. She just goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Jane Lane, super insightful best friend. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. It's a very interesting discussion. And I think that Jane's kind of spot on. Um, you know, several times now, Daria has pointed out that, as we said, the biggest problem she has with the concept is that if angels existed, they wouldn't be interested in messing with people. Um, she believes that to be the case because of all the bad in the world that continues unpunished, which it does. Um, for someone as principled as Daria, like, we have to remember, we've seen her time and time again like do or push others to do the right thing regardless of consequences because her view of morality is very, as Jody once said, no pun intended, black and white. Um, Jody said no pun intended. Um, <laughs> so the idea that something cosmic out there is actually like protecting the people who act shitty is is inherently depressing and kind of scary. And if you're the kind of person who believes that people who do bad things should pay for the bad things they do, then you know, the idea that the ones who get away with it are getting away with it because of cosmic actors is pretty awful. Yeah. It's like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, again, that kind of touches upon like that, that Gen X nihilism that runs through, <laughs> runs through the show. Um, but Daria is being pretty hopeful here, I think, in a way, like in a very grim way, Daria is being pretty hopeful. <laughs> Well, yeah. Okay. So the thing about, you know, like existentialism (laughs) is that, yes, it looks like um, depressing, right? Yeah. (laughs) That there is no, you know, higher power that that is influencing you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Or it's indifferent. Um, but what is interesting about it is the um, the self-possession aspect, right? The, the idea that because of you know, that fact of existence, you have the power to do – you have the control over your own life, right? Right. <laughs> you, it is what you make of it, right? So, I, I mean – Yes, it can be depressing, it can be scary, or it could be empowering. Right, absolutely. There's a, um, I quote, or I I reference Buffy all the time. I'll go ahead and reference Angel here. Uh, (laughs) There's a great episode of Angel called Epiphany. I think it's in the second season. Um, But it is, it comes at uh, at the crest of a huge existential crisis for our hero, Angel, the very broody vampire with a soul. Um, and he, he has an epiphany of sorts after kind of having this same internal strife of, um, if, if there is something out there, uh, then, then why the hell do bad things keep happening? What's the point of fighting if bad things are going to keep happening? Um, is there anything out there watching over us? If not, then what the hell? Uh, and what he ultimately settles upon. And I, I remember this quote very clearly it was if nothing we do matters then all that matters is what we do 
and that's a very that's an existentialist mm. way of ter- like that has Joss Whedon all over it because Joss Whedon loves <laughs> existentialist writing, um, and that is you know the optimistic side of existentialist philosophy in a nutshell is if nothing matters then pretty much everything matters <laughs> because it, it's whatever meaning you ascribe to it it's whatever you know whatever good comes out of something it's got to be because you wanted to put good into it not because it's naturally good exactly um, yeah uh, and i think you know in in the the monologue that that angel gives in that scene he says if if truly nothing we do matters, then the smallest act of kindness is the greatest gift in the world. Um, and that's a little, you know, that's a little poetic or whatever, but the, the point behind it is, Hey, you know, if, if there is nobody watching over us, if nothing we're, if nothing we do is actually being judged by anyone, um, then being nice means a lot. (laughs) It's, you know, it it should be the default setting, but it means a lot. Um, And and we'll have we'll have kind of a, a you know sort of similar albeit a little you know a little more muted conversation about this in a second because uh, Quinn and Daria are, are going to have uh, their end of episode uh, talk but um, I don't know it, it's conversations like the one we've had over the past five minutes are why this episode is very interesting to me like we're talking about an episode of Daria. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, I don't know. It's neat. I'm I'm enthused with it. Enthused. I'm enthused. Uh, you, you should see the gesticulation. Is the thing like I'm not? <laughs> I know that I'm not on camera, but my hands are going everywhere. It's crazy. Um, awesome. <laughs> inside the party, the decor looks very much like we remember from all the way back in the invitation, which is to say, it's hella tacky. Although there's not a single ceramic tiger in sight. Tear. Um, I know. Mystic, How disappointing. <laughs> uh, Mystic Spiral plays. Upchuck hits on Brittany's mom. And the three Js, motivated by jealousy, are looking around for Quinn's guardian angel. They believe he'd take human form, so they have their eyes peeled for an older guy. And that's when Mr. O'Neill wanders in. So they start tailing him, aiming to keep him away from Quinn. Speaking of Quinn, she gets a soda and joins the fashion club who are standing around chatting. It's not very long before Brittany's little brother runs in, trying to disturb the party. He's chased by his father. The two accidentally bump into Quinn. She spills the soda all over herself, including her new pants, which makes it look like she wet herself. Quinn insists her guardian angel would never just let such a thing happen, so he must be testing her. Meanwhile, the three J's are apparently about to beat the shit out of Mr. O'Neill, but his niceness... Right? Um, yeah, it just like their logic is. It's is bonkers. Amazing. It is. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Then they, and they walk up to, like, this is a teacher at their school. He knows them. They know him. And they just, like, walk up, surround him, and say, like, hey, man, you want to talk outside? I'm like, what the fuck? Uh huh. I know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Mr. O'Neill, his niceness overwhelms and confounds them, and so the four wander off to just chat a bit. <laughs> Elsewhere, Jane and Daria are approached by Brittany's stepmom, and the three engage in what may be one of my favorite interactions of the entire season. I'm going to go ahead and play that clip. Gee, I don't remember seeing you guys before. Are you friends of Brittany? Brittany? You know, the person for whom this party is for. Party? Yes, party for Brittany, because she's become an honor student. Brittany? It's very good. It's, 
it's very, very good. Um, I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about it. I just thought it was entertaining as hell. Yeah. I do think if you if you have the opportunity, go back and take a second to check out Sandy's reaction to Quinn spilling soda on herself because it is absolutely amazing. Just she gets this like it's the happiest I've ever seen her look. She looks. Oh man, so I have to thrilled. go back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. It's she looks so thrilled, and she like leans into it and everything. Like she wants to look really closely just to make sure that what went down went down. It's it's very good. It's it's worth checking out. She's like, this was just handed to me. <laughs> yeah, totally. That was a freebie. Uh, um. The Mystic Spiral stops playing for a little so Brittany's dad can say something. Uh, he presents Brittany with the crystal bullhorn, and she loves it. She doesn't know what it is, though. <laughs> no, she's perplexed by it, and then he has to explain it, and then she loves it, I guess. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Queen grabs a seat to wipe her pants off. The seat, however, is the Mystic Spiral mixing board. She pushes one of the sliders way up too high, and we get a repeat of earlier when the band accidentally broke some glassware, except this time it's the bullhorn which shatters into pieces. Uh, Quinn is, of course, mortified, and Sandy is, of course, right there to get in a jab. Uh, Quinn runs from the party crying, having been abandoned by her guardian angel. Aw, poor Quinn. Yeah. She had a rough night. She did. She had a very rough night. Um, but we get to see what you were talking about a little bit earlier. We get to see that in action here where like a bad thing happened to her, and instead of being like, oh, well, I guess I don't have a guardian angel, it was, oh, I guess he's testing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder how she did on that test. <laughs> <laughs> apparently not great. He's apparently not thrilled with her. No, things keep breaking. <laughs> uh, for the record, it's not an urban legend. It is actually totally possible to break glass with sound. Um, it only takes about 100 decibels to do it, which was surprising to me. But uh, it's it's about like frequency and everything, and also how close the glass is to the source. Um, we'll include a really neat video about it uh, that you can find on MIT's website. We'll include that in the show notes. It's worth watching. It's pretty cool. They use like a high speed camera to show you what sound does to glass uh, and why it actually shatters. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's neat. I have no idea if it would work on crystal. I suspect it might not, but I really don't know for sure. Do you ever watch the um, slow mo guys on on yes. YouTube? Oh, yeah, I, they they must have done something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's a um, kind of in line with the slow mo guys. There's this group of dudes, and I forget what the channel title is called. I want to say it's like everything or something like that. Um, but it's these guys from, I believe, Australia. Could be wrong about that. Uh, but they just throw things off of high places, and that is their entire shtick. They just throw wow. increasingly ridiculous things off of increasingly high places, and the result is never not fascinating. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> They've got like slow mo cameras, and like I watched them drop a refrigerator onto a pool table. I think at one point. Um, they had these like giant metal terrifying lawn darts that they dropped onto stuff to see if they could like penetrate like five inch bulletproof glass and all that. Oh it's God. crazy. Yeah. And they've got like high speed cameras set up all over it. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's neat. Uh, totally worth checking out. If you need, if you just need like a YouTube hole to fall down one day, that's a good one. The internet is so cool. 
Yeah. People are so cool. People are great, except for the terrible ones. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> I'm really trying. To, I'm really trying here. I'm really trying to restore <laughs> my faith in humanity. <laughs> we're all healing, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, we're all tired from dancing in the streets. Um, at home, Quinn is on the couch moping. Uh, Daria wanders in. This is actually a really nice conversation, so I'm going to actually go over it in a bit of detail. Um, Quinn says that she knows Guardian Angel sounds silly, but once she started believing, it felt really nice. She asks Daria what she believes in, and Daria responds that she believes in treating people how you'd like to be treated. And until she sees evidence to the contrary, she's going to keep assuming that there's nothing watching over us. Uh, Quinn's despondent at the thought, and Daria, not wanting to hurt her sister too much, backs up a bit. After all, she doesn't have any evidence that there isn't something out there. Uh, Quinn asks why the bullhorn incident happened, and Daria points out that maybe a garden angel just wouldn't give a shit about a crystal bullhorn. Quinn suggests maybe the angel's looking out for the big things. Uh, and Daria points out that it's okay to believe whatever makes you feel best. A relieved Quinn decides she's going to stop expecting the guardian angel to be with her everywhere and let it focus on the bigger things, and she wanders off happy. Yay. Yeah. I I like this conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Daria, it's Daria taking a little bit of a harder stance on guardian angels than what we've seen in the rest of the episode where she straight up says like, until I see any evidence of it, I'm not going to believe that there's anything out there. Um, but we're again, you know, given a glimpse into her morality. If Quinn's beliefs are harmless and they make her feel good, then why bother upsetting her? Comforting right. her is the right comforting her is the right thing to do there. And and she does it, even if like internally her eyes are rolling. Right. And and this is what her mom was pushing her towards in the first place. <laughs> you know, like right. let let Quinn let Quinn figure it out, you know? <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to be, you know, Daria. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it's um just because you I mean, have it figured out, Daria, doesn't mean everybody else does. <laughs> yeah, and it's okay for people to f- to to take their own path to that. And yes. you know, if if that path and their destination doesn't hurt them or anybody else, then fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that the way that they have decided to go about their life. Uh and and for Daria, like she's not She's not backing off of Quinn because she's too tired. She's not backing off of Quinn because she she's not bored with this. She just doesn't want to hurt Quinn. She wants to do mm-hmm. the right thing here. Yeah, uh, that's sweet. Yeah, and that's you know, and we see here uh, in this discussion what we were talking about a little bit earlier, where you know if you don't believe in a in a higher good or in anybody like kind of keeping score over the things we do. Um, then the most important thing is to just be a good person, just in general, because it it you know means that much more. Yeah, and and that's what we see here. And I don't know, it's really nice, and it's the kind of thing that again, we don't have these conversations with any other episode of this show. Uh, yeah, cool. well, you know, it it <laughs> it's touching on a different topic and one that is hard not to have a conversation about. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we still have a, just a very little bit of show left. Uh, Helen's been watching this in the background. Uh, after Quinn's gone, she points out that she thinks it's nice Daria put aside her own beliefs to comfort her sister. 
Daria denies doing any such thing, but Helen says Daria is free to believe whatever makes her feel best. That's a nice little jab from mom there. Um, back at Lawndale High, everything seems back to normal, although the mystery of Brittany's stepmom being basically Brittany's age remains something beyond our understanding. Uh, we roll credits to Aurora by Foo Fighters. Okay. Yeah. I don't really have anything to say about... No, it just ended. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird ending to an episode, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we already kind of addressed what, you know, Helen's um, attitude is toward it, so. Yeah. yeah. I think this was, a good, want- this was a good Helen episode, I think. Yeah, good good parent episode. All right, so... Like I mentioned, we're not gonna we're not gonna have any cultural context this week. I'm really sorry. I always feel bad when I don't when we don't have. A cultural I think context, we peppered but, some things in there. That, yeah, you know. I think we did okay. Yeah, um, we're okay. <laughs> we're so fine. says us. <laughs> no one's the boss of us. <laughs> <Says> us. <laughs> Uh, all right. So with that in mind, I guess we should probably just go straight into the episode ranking, shouldn't we? Yeah, I guess so. All right. A super professional and well-reasoned Daria episode rankings. Hell yeah. They've had that heading from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's been right the entire time. <laughs> So this is a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Um because what does it fit with? Like it's hard to compare it to other things. Right. Hmm. So I should have thought about this ahead of time, huh? I mean, we said this <laughs> every every single week we should have thought about it ahead of time. Yes. <laughs> um so, I mean, what do we what do we like and what do we not like in this episode? Um, I I like Daria in this episode. I mean, I think that she has some good things to say and I think Jane you know, also even though Daria is um you know, makes sense here. Jane also calls her out for bullshit. <laughs> and I, and I really like that. Um, so, so that's what I like. Um, and I mean, there are some good lines as well. Um, but I, I mean, you're right that there are some clunky bits here. Um, is it, this is a bit of a, like, sore thumb episode i guess you could say it's like yes you know it comes out of nowhere and you know probably won't have much of an impact on the rest of the series and now that it's you know a little more serial um than it was before that counts for something um yeah uh yeah so I basically just summarized our episode. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> um, so I liked, I like, I agree with you. I like Daria. I like Jane. We get very little Jane in this episode, but what we do get is very good. Um, I, I 
I liked Quinn's arc. It was I rolled my eyes at it as much as Daria did, but I I appreciated it for what it was. Uh, and it is an arc too. Like she, you know, we watch this kind of develop in her. We watch it kind of crescendo, and then we see it sort of fade a little bit into the background as Daria sort of helps her figure out that it's not something she needs to be obsessed with. Um, but is we, this, com- can we compare this to something like uh, Quinn the Brain or, um, you know, other like Quinn-centric episodes? Um, does it have that kind of quality? I was looking at Too Cute and Monster. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, both, of, both of which are... Both of which are a little more Quinn centric, right? Um, yeah. Both of which, well, uh, too cute has Daria being a very good big sister to Quinn. Um, it was one of the. It was like one of the first moments we got to see that. Really, um, it had an interesting thing to say, uh, and an actually a, a rather powerful thing to say, given the audience of this show uh, and the the age and the demographic. And I, I think. Mm, I almost want to put this between Too Cute and Monster. Why between them? I'll be honest, I don't remember a ton from Monster. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, oh, they record a day in Quinn's life for school. Project. Yeah, they were they were following Quinn around all day and, and they tried to they were gonna make a statement about her and then uh, I think Helen kind of uh, talked them down. And ultimately they made something that wasn't all that bad at all. And then Quinn like embarrassed herself in front of the class, but it turned out okay. Cause everything turns out okay for, for Quinn. Um, <laughs> Must have a guardian angel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mm, yeah, I got, I, I'm looking around that area because I feel like this episode, it, it's, de- it's not a bad episode. By any stretch, I don't. I don't think it's like there are clunky bits, you know, um, like we mentioned. Uh, but there are there are some good lines here or there. It brings up some interesting conversations. It's not, you know, blowing the doors off the place, but it's also not like a mauled or this year's model or uh, the old and the beautiful. Um, what about comparing it to an episode like Gifted? So I think Gifted, which is like just a little below there. I feel like this is better than gifted. Mm, I feel okay. like this does a little, I feel like this does a little bit more. I feel like gifted kind of, we gave gifted a lot of credit for that conversation between Jody and Daria. We did. That's true. <laughs> that is um, very true. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's not a bad episode again. And, and you know, a good character moment goes a long damn way in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like this this episode has a little bit more going on for it uh, across a wider array of folks. I also just found it more entertaining in general than fair enough. <laughs> okay, all right. Because it's funny because when I was reading your show notes, I was like, Rob really didn't like this episode. <laughs> I, you know what? So here's the thing, right? I. I viewed this episode as, and I'm not saying too much about what's left in this season, but I viewed this episode kind of as like a speed bump on the way to the last two episodes of season four. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, 
because season the the last two episodes of season four are really great, like one two punch there, and I'm really looking forward to those. I didn't remember a whole lot about this episode in particular, and knowing that it was in the way of those next two episodes, I was like, all right, let's you know let's figure this out. Um, and you know, I didn't end up loving it. Uh, which is, you know, that's why I'm looking down at like the mid twenties ish in the mm-hmm. rankings. But I also, I did not hate it anywhere near as much as I thought I would. Um, <laughs> I mean, part of it, you have to remember too, like this is the first time watching this show where I've truly like appreciated Quinn as a character. Uh, and if you can't stand Quinn, this episode is rough. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Well, I think that um, I am okay with nestling the episode in between too cute and monster. You have you have stated your case, sir. <laughs> okay, I'll take. And I it. buy it. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense enough. Whatever. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, so that leaves groped by an angel just underneath too cute and just above monster sitting at number 23 on our list. I think that's a pretty respectable showing. Slow clap. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Okay. And now with that out of the way, let's get into some fan mail that we got over the, over the past two weeks or so. Yes. Uh, so we received a few emails from our listeners over the past two weeks, one about our episode on psychotherapy and one about our previous episode, Legends of the Mall. Uh, this first one from Rachel Marshall is about the weird duality we saw with Helen's character in psychotherapy. Uh, and then it offers just a really fun hypothesis on Jake that I kind of can't wait to toss around. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this <laughs> is from Rachel. She says, or, or they say, did we get her? I didn't. Oh, God, I forgot to ask. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, Rachel says, I love you guys. Yay, we love you too. Um, I just started listening to psychotherapy and Rob was saying that it seemed the show didn't know which Helen to represent, family-oriented or work-driven. I really think that's part of her character, written to be that way intentionally. It's such a hard thing for many women in more affluent careers to have children. Amen. Um, They want to be there for their families, but they don't want to sacrifice all the work they put into their current position. If you're not showing that you're 100% committed to your career, they may pass you over for opportunities. That ends up carrying into the home life. It's still so very true today, despite the progress made for new mothers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Uh-huh. Rachel also says, Jake and the whole milk thing is kind of clever <laughs> and weird if you think about how it relates to Helen's mother, wife-mother career conflict. Oh, my God. He's a totally helpless dope, like another child for Helen to worry about, looking for comfort because Helen isn't exactly emotionally available. Oh, my God. That's- so good. That's so freaking good. I'm really (laughs) jealous I didn't think of this. (laughs) Even though like the past three years for me has been nothing but breast milk. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Somehow oh I did not God. make this connection. <laughs> uh, oh wow. Um she uh, so Rachel also says, isn't there a picture of Jake dressed as a baby in the end credits of one episode? So creepy. <laughs> it gives a whole new level of sadness to Jake's character. I don't know if this is just a total leap in the odd workings of my mind or maybe something meant to be there. L O L. Anyway, stay safe out there. Oh my goodness. I love this. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> I really wish I thought of this, but it's you're so totally good. right. Yeah, it's about so many disparate things too. So, <laughs> what, what I really appreciate about this email—I mean, I appreciate the whole thing—but the the thing that sticks out to me is there's this very like thoughtful and and well put. Uh, statement about, you know, like we mentioned, the duality of Helen and how it is extraordinarily difficult for working mothers out there to, 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 you know, balance that to be, you can't be work driven and also uh, family oriented. Like you have to pick one or the other and, and um, having it all you know, isn't really a thing. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's, and it's infuriating and it's so, uh, it's so frustrating and, you know, getting to see that portrayed on the show is, is it's a good thing. Like the more that we talk about that kind of thing, the more wide open it becomes and, and, you know, hopefully the more eventually it gets done about it. Um, but it's a very like serious subject that you presented uh, a very, uh, compelling argument about. And then immediately the very next paragraph begins with Jake and the whole milk thing. and then then proceeds to drop the best insight that's ever been dropped on this podcast it's fantastic (laughs) uh it's so good and yeah it's so insightful that's yes exactly it's very on point uh and as you know the show's unofficial jake hater i'm embarrassed that i didn't get to it first (laughs) oh well (laughs) <laughs> oh, so good thank you so much rachel for that email. yes i friggin loved it uh all right so let's go ahead and switch tones big time um so finally today we have a uh, longtime listener matthew boyce who in the aftermath of our episode on the halloween horrific legends of the mall told us on twitter about some creepiness uh involving their father and an abandoned psychiatric hospital uh, I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna read this one, Nissa, if you didn't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Right, I'll cool. listen. Yay! Um, so I had shot off a tweet about my father having seen the inside of an old psychiatric hospital a couple days ago. It's not the most exciting story, probably exactly what you'd expect, but here goes. So I grew up in Marlborough in the mystical realm of central New Jersey. Yep, I know exactly where that mm-hmm. is. Uh, where there was once a state-operated psychiatric hospital. I was, it was situated on about 500 acres of land. The buildings were pretty nice from what I remember growing up. They were barely visible from the main road. The hospital was closed in 1998 with intermittent counseling and meetings held there for a few years after. The entire complex was ultimately torn down in 2015. Uh, one of the unique features of the hospital were interconnected basements. Basically, the separate buildings were all connected by subterranean tunnels so that employees wouldn't have to go outside in the winter and could just travel through the tunnels from building to building. It's very Canada. <laughs> yes, yes. Mon- I was just thinking uh, that Montreal has exactly that. Like I've been there and I've walked around in like their underground malls and stuff. It's really cool. 
Um, because if they don't have that, they freeze to death. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my father was a volunteer firefighter for the town and got a call one day for a smoke alarm going off or something equally routine. So he got on the truck and drove there. They had him inspect the building, which was perfectly normal, as well as some of the tunnels. He said that when he went into the tunnels, it was like stepping through a time machine and into a horror movie. Gurneys and wheelchairs from the 1950s, old steel examination tables, cages, and a giant boarded up passage that looked almost like a big wooden door. He described it as, quote, what you'd see in one of those old movies where the doctor gives someone a lobotomy or an electroshock treatment, unquote. Uh, that's it for his contribution. Luckily, I just remembered a really good urban legend that was related to the hospital. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> uh, yeah. So the state purchased the property to build the hospital back in the 1920s. Part of the property at the time was owned by a local farmer who raised pigs and butchered them in a slaughterhouse on his property. When the state approached him to purchase the property, he refused. Allegedly, the state acquired the property via eminent domain. He was forcibly evicted when the state sought to take possession. However, they didn't demolish the old slaughterhouse for whatever reason. Over time, there were reports of a strange figure around the slaughterhouse at night. Eventually, everyone is, obviously everyone assumed it was the farmer angry over losing his property and seeking to get back at the people who'd taken it. A security guard was hired to keep watch over the slaughterhouse to make sure the farmer didn't come back and cause any trouble. So the guard started his shifts and there weren't any problems. He'd begin patrolling at sundown and relieved of duty come dawn. This went on for a few weeks with no reported disturbances and no sign of the farmer. Until one day when morning came and the guard wasn't able to be found, the man who relieved him looked everywhere until he saw that one of the locks on the slaughterhouse door had been broken. So he entered the slaughterhouse and began to look around. When he got to the room where the pigs used to be slaughtered, he noticed a trail of blood leading from the drain to the middle of the floor to the door where the meat locker used to be. He carefully approached the door and opened it to find the security guard hanging from his feet on one of the meat hooks with a pig's head in place of his own. My uncle told me that one when I was like eight. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed. Keep up the Perfect. great work with the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much, Matthew. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, your uncle sounds cool as shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, but that's a very that's a very Central Jersey urban legend. That's a very Jersey urban legend. Oh, totally. <laughs> uh, uh, I can just imagine his uncle being like. I'm going to mess with my, you know, <laughs> brother, sister, and be like, they're, they're not going to get sleep for a couple of weeks. <laughs> That's the whole point of the uncle. You go in, you drop bombs, and then you, <laughs> and then you leave because you don't have to be there for the nightmares. Right. <laughs> uh, give the slingshot, see what happens. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I bought you this BB gun. Anyway, have fun. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to remember the name of the psychiatric hospital. My Google says psychiatric hospitals near me. Well, Google. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow. I'm finding way too many results for shutdown mental hospitals in New Jersey. That's great. Yeah. And that's why there are so many prisons now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's two sides to that. There's the oh man, what a great what a great fountain for uh urban legends and then there's also oh man, we destroyed our mental health system. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh anyway, thank you so much Matthew for writing in. Uh Matthew's this is been a great fan, man. This is fantastic, fam. I could not could not be happier with the emails we had this week. 
bleh. normally we get emails that long and I want to like trim them down a little bit. And I just, I could not bear to do it with either of them mm-hmm. <laughs> whatsoever. Um, so thank you both so much. We really appreciate your writing in. Um, and I think with that, we might be ready to wrap this up. Yes. Yes. And that does wrap it up for this episode of Morgan Dorks. Uh, check out our Patreon. Sign up at patreon.com slash morgandorks for a buck a month. You can support this silly little mission. Listen to an unedited version of each podcast a few days before it airs. Uh, as always, please feel free. Reach out to us on Twitter at morgandorks, like Matthew did, or email us at morgandorks at gmail.com, like Rachel did, or check out our website, anchor.fm slash morgandorks, like nobody did. Uh, also... <laughs> <laughs> also, we're on Facebook. Check out fb.me slash morgandorks.podcast or just search for it. We're the only thing called Morgandorks. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Outpost Diary Reborn. Link is in the show notes. And as always, thank you, Nissa. Thank you, Rob. Yay. And thank Yay. you, listeners. <laughs> uh, we'll see you again in two weeks for epi- for season four, episode 12 fire i am so fucking looking forward to this uh here on morgan dorks yay, yay.